John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Well, church, our scripture reading from today is for is from the book of Jeremiah. Chat or scripture reading for today is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter eight. Verses 8 through 12, hear the word of the Lord. And then they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning to, giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teachers of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not weep or mourn. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed the people, saying, Be still, for this day is holy. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Good to be with you all here again. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass, usually preaching in our contemporary service. Uh, I mentioned this last week. I gave you all some homework, and I don't know how many of you all actually did it to go and listen to me talk, a very vain exercise to catch up on our Nehemiah series. Uh, We're in the second half of that series that I've been preaching over in our contemporary service. If you didn't get a chance to catch up and listen, to sum up the the book of Nehemiah thus far, is Nehemiah was uh, living in exile in Persia, and he hears about the broken state of the walls of Jerusalem. And in hearing about the brokenness of Jerusalem, he weeps, he mourns, he fasts, and he prays. And in the awakening service, I made a call for the church to fast and to pray once a week for this church and for that service specifically. And so we looked at how Nehemiah prays and fasts, and then he goes and he looks and examines the brokenness of the walls. And then before he examines the brokenness of the walls, he prays to the Lord God and how prayer is foundational to any rebuilding effort. And so then Nehemiah goes about the process of rebuilding the walls and he rebuilds the walls with the people of God that it's not just Nehemiah doing all the work himself. He recruits the people of Jerusalem to go. He casts a vision and he builds the walls of Jerusalem. And so now at this point in the book, the walls of Jerusalem have been rebuilt. So the physical harm that the people of God had been facing with broken down walls is now gone and done for. And so now that the walls have been rebuilt, the physical barrier has been rebuilt, that sort of Nehemiah's task that it seems like he has sent there to accomplish is now done. And yet we still have like six chapters left in the book of Nehemiah. And so then what is God doing from this time span of when the walls are physically actually built in Nehemiah about halfway through the book 
to the book ends just a few chapters later. And I think what, the God, what God is getting at here in the second half of Nehemiah, in the second half of the series that we'll be leaning into, is that God is focused not on just rebuilding the physical aspect of Jerusalem, rebuilding the physical aspects of Jerusalem, but also how is God rebuilding his community in Jerusalem? How is God rebuilding his people in Jerusalem? That's what the second half of the book of Nehemiah focuses on, is who is the people of God in Jerusalem? How are they going to be? How are they going to look like? And today we looked at this passage in Nehemiah 8, that they start off by the public reading of the law of God. And this can either be the first five books of the Bible, the the Pentateuch, or it's just more likely one of the, the law books like Deuteronomy or Leviticus, that this is publicly read before the people of God. That as Nehemiah looks to rebuild the community of God, he starts by laying a foundation of Scripture that the people rebuild upon. And he's reading this to all the people. And it indicates in Scripture that these people, when they hear the law of God being publicly read aloud, it's almost like they're cut to the heart, that they are convicted, that they hear what is being read before them is not how they've been living their life, it's not how they've been living in community with one another, because it says in verse 9 that they're weeping and mourning when the law is being read and explained to them. They're not just listening to the words being read, they're also listening to some pretty good preaching, that they're listening to the preacher come and explain what the words mean to them. And so as we look at us as a community of God, and as we look to rebuild, as we look at where is God, who is God rebuilding us to be, that we need to foundationally be a people who rebuild on the Word of God. That when we look to what is our foundation going to be, it needs to fundamentally be a foundation of Scripture. Famous John Wesley quote is he said, let me be a man of one book in reference to the Bible, in reference to the Holy Scripture. As we want to be a people of God, we need to understand the character and nature of who this God is, and that's what Scripture shows us. That if I didn't have the pages of Scripture, I would have no idea the character and nature of God, character and nature of Jesus, or even the character and nature of the human heart. That's what Scripture does. It's the, it's the revealing, the revelation of God from on high to us. It tells us about who God is, what His character and nature is, and also His will for us as his chosen and holy people. And so if we want to be a people of God, we need to be a people who rebuild on the foundation of Scripture. But as I was reading this passage and I was planning on going in a different direction, there was this this theme that just kept recurring in Nehemiah 8 that just I thought was pretty odd. And there was this section here, or this verse in Nehemiah 8, 9 that I thought was really odd, and I'm going to read it again here to you all. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for the people had been weeping as they listened to the law. I thought that was odd, because when you read the pages of Scripture, the response of weeping mourning, prayer, and fasting is often a call that God makes for his people 
uh, when they're in the midst of sin. And oftentimes when in your own personal life, I'm sure you've experienced this, is that when you've been confronted with your sin or you've been convicted of your sin, often my response is to weep and fast and mourn before the God of heaven. And so why is it that Nehemiah here is chastising the people, say, today is not a day for mourning or weeping, when it seems like that would be the entirely appropriate response for hearing the law explained to these people. And as I was thinking about this, you know, on one level, yes, it is the entirely appropriate response, that when we're confronted with our sin, when the, when the Holy Spirit convicts us to humbly repent and go before him, that is an entirely appropriate, and I would say, right response for us to do. But I think in this passage here in Nehemiah, there's something a bit deeper going on here. That when the scripture is read to the people of God, it's almost like they've, they're stuck in that moment of mourning and weeping. Because the law not only tells us how we've fallen short of the glory of God, the law also says, here is the day of atonement. Here is how you can be made right with God. The law also says that you can be free from sin. And to the people at this time in Israel's history, I think God wants them to hear that part of the law. That sin does not define the community of the people of God. Within this context of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a, a late period in Israel's history. This is after most of the prophetic books have been read and written. And if you read any of the prophecies in Israel in the Old Testament, oftentimes it's the prophets are getting a word from God to say, you have been a people who have worshipped idols, you are a people who are caught in sin and you need to repent and turn back to me. And the response from the people of God is, no, we're going to keep doing it how we like to do it. And so God punishes them by their sin and disobedience and ships them off to Babylon for 70 years. And in the middle of those prophecies about repent and turn back to me, you see that there's this thread, a promise of God that there will be a faithful remnant that will return from captivity and will dwell in the land once more, and they will be a people who will no longer worship idols and who will be my holy people like I intended all along. When we get to Nehemiah, these are the faithful remnant that have come back. These are the ones who have been in captivity for 70 years, who have returned back to the land, and who God is now rebuilding to make his community once more. That is to those people, to the faithful remnant, to those who are God's holy people, he is saying, now is not the time for weeping, now is the time for joy. That this theme of joy and celebration is repeated throughout this whole passage. You may have picked up on it. If not, I'll just lift up some instances again. Verse 9, this day is holy to your God. Do not weep or mourn. Verse 10, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have prepared nothing. This day is holy to your Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, this day is holy, do not grieve. Then verse 12, All the people went away to eat and drink, and they celebrated with great joy, because they understood what was being said to them. And then skipping down to verse 17, 
From the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. This repeated theme of joy sticks out like a sore thumb in this passage. And here's what I think God is doing in the book of Nehemiah to his people, and I think it's a word for us here today. That when God is looking to rebuild his community, he wants them to be a people who focus on their future and not their past. He wants them to be a people who is looking forward to what God is doing in the future and not a people who dwell on their past. He wants them to be a people who see the good that he is going to do among his people once again. He wants his people to live into their identity, to live into who God is making them to be, which is a holy people, a holy nation. As we look at our church, do we think that God is calling us to look forward, not behind? To look into becoming the holy people that God desires for us to be? You know, I think we have a misconception about holiness. Like if you think, if I say a holy person, what do you imagine? Do you imagine someone scowling in the back room who's sitting alone in a darkness that they're Uh, Their life is devoid of fun. Their life is devoid of joy. Is that what you think about when you think of a holy person? Scripture does not talk about a holy person like that. Scripture talks about a holy person as someone who is filled with joy, who is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. John Wesley talked often about how a holiness is happiness, because if we believe that our God is eternally holy, which he is, God is also eternally happy, and that happiness and holiness are not opposites of one another, but in fact they go hand in hand like a glove that fits perfectly. Because if we want to be happy like God is happy, we need to be holy like God is holy. And if we want to be a people in a community who is defined by joy, then we don't need to be somber ascetics living in the middle of the desert, frowning all the time. You know, you picture a holy person, do you picture someone who frowns or someone who smiles all the time? Because our God is a God of joy, our God is a God of life. And as we think about God rebuilding our community and looking at this joy that God wants his people to be, I'm going to be honest with you all, it was, it was really hard for me to come up and write this and to talk about this. Because as I was reflecting and this theme of joy just kept coming up. I was like, God, I, I can't talk about joy. Uh, you may not know this, this past year has probably been one of the hardest years of my entire life. It was right around this past year that uh, churches across the connection were talking about disaffiliation, you know, the, the great fun word that we all have come to know and love. And uh, it, was, it was the most difficult year of my entire life. And, you know, as I was thinking about even this past week, this was a difficult past week for me. And I realized as I was kind of praying and reflecting, I was like, Lord, you know, I haven't really had joy in my life for about a year now. And how can I go up and talk about joy when I feel like I don't have anything within me? That I was writing this message and I was like, Lord, I am, I am just the biggest fraud to come up and talk about joy when I have none myself to give. And it was kind of in that space, in that 
you know, wrestling with the Lord's space that I felt him tell me that I was missing the point of the passage. And the point of the passage is that joy does not come from me. It comes from on high. It's not about what I can give. It's about what God can give. It's about what Jesus can do in our midst once again. He just kept driving this point in my head over and over and over again that God desires to restore joy to me and to his people who are in mourning. That our God is in the redemption and the restoration and the resurrection business. That our God desires to restore joy to our community once again. That that is the message that we see here in Nehemiah. And that's the message, frankly, that we see all throughout Scripture. It's that Jesus comes and he meets us so that we can have life once again. And then when he is risen from the dead, the disciples are filled with joy once again because Jesus is alive in the early church, even in the midst of their persecution and suffering. Their lives are defined by joy because they know deep down in their soul that they are resurrection people. They are Easter people. They are the chosen royal holy priesthood of God. And they can have joy that transcends any understanding. And so as we look at ourselves and you look at your own life, maybe you feel like I felt or like I do. For whatever reason, you may feel like you have lost your joy. Whether it's been through this discernment process like me, or maybe you have internal issues like depression or anxiety that feels like that's stolen your joy. Maybe it's been something external like a relationship a breakup that's happened in your life maybe the death of a loved one or a cherished person or an external pressure with your job or whatever outside circumstance that just seems so pressing that it's stolen the joy that you've once had and you find yourself sitting there thinking will i have joy ever again friends if that is you and you feel yourself in that place Hear the good news of the gospel that our God desires to restore joy once again. That today is not a day for mourning and weeping. Today is a holy day in the name of the Lord. And you can have joy once more. That is what the words of Nehemiah says to his people. Do not mourn and weep, for today is a holy day. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, this is a holy day. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. As we think about what God desires to do in our midst, and we think about who this God is, because Scripture reveals the character and nature of God, that's why we read the pages of Scripture. Who is this God that we're worshiping? Who is this God that calls me into relationship with himself? We see on the pages of Nehemiah that our God is a God who desires for his people to be defined by joy and holiness. And as we look at rebuilding our community Do we believe and trust that God desires to restore the joy that has been stolen from us? And he does so within community with one another. That God restores individual hearts to joy, yes, but he rebuilds the joy of the community. That they celebrate 
together. They feast together. They hear the preaching and the word of the law together. And whatever happens, they do it together as one people of God. That the people of God who had not known joy, whose lives have been defined by desolation and devastation, whose lives have been defined by exile, whose lives have been defined by fearing the enemies because of the broken walls of Jerusalem, that in the rebuilding of the walls, God says, now is not the time to weep and mourn, now is the time for joy. Now is the time for joy. As I was writing this sermon series, y'all probably don't know this because I never mentioned it, but the title of the series is called Beauty Instead of Ashes, which is a prophecy from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And I think there's a great parallel between Isaiah 61 and here in the book of Nehemiah, because I think Isaiah is partially prophesying about Jesus, but he's also prophesying about what is literally taking place in the book of Nehemiah. And I want to just take a moment to read this prophecy from Isaiah over us. And I want to just take, uh, I want to encourage y'all to take a posture of reception, a posture of hearing, whatever that looks like for you, whether you want to close your eyes and listen, or a posture of prayer, or just staring intently at me like y'all so wonderfully do. Whatever posture of reception you want to take, I want to just read the words of the prophet Isaiah that Jesus takes and fulfills in Luke 4. And I want us to just hear the words of the Lord and let them penetrate our heart and give us hope for today. Isaiah 61 through Isaiah 62, verse 5. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that they have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work your fields and their vineyards. And you will be called priest of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion in the land, and everlasting joy shall be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice, hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the people. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people that has been blessed by God. I will delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and has arrayed me in the robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the soil makes a sprout come up and the garden causes the seed to grow, 
So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up among the nations. For Zion's sake, says Isaiah, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you will be called a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. Hephzibah means my delight is in her and Beulah means married. Church, when we read the pages of Scripture, when we rebuild our life on the Word, do we believe that when Paul writes that all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and our response is simply to say amen, which just translates to let it be so, Lord, do we receive the promises of God in our own life? Do we receive the promises of God for here And now for us today, as we look at rebuilding this church and rebuilding this community, do we desire for God to come and bestow this blessed promise upon us here today like he did on the people of Nehemiah long ago? That when we read the pages of Scripture, they're not just thousands of year old stories to sit in our bookshelf and collect dust, but they're the very words of the Spirit of God to come and aliven us, to come and bring us hope, to bring us restoration, to bring us resurrection, because God is moving and working in our midst. Do we receive this promise from Isaiah that no longer will we be a people that is scorned by the nations? No longer will we be a people that the outside community looks upon us with shame or pity, but instead they will look into the walls of this place and see God is surely among them, that we are the blessed people of God because Jesus is with us. I want to close with this story um, from a man named Alan Hood. He is the president of, or former president of IHOP University, not the pancake place, uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, they started a college up in, uh, at IHOP, and he was sort of the president, the, the head of the academics up there. And while he was president at IHOP, Alan Hood Uh, there was a revival that broke out among the students there. And he said that it was about an eight-month period span that this revival took place. And he was on a podcast that I was listening to, and he was talking about it. And he said that during that eight-month span, they saw hundreds of students get baptized, and they saw hundreds of more healings. He said they saw miraculous range of the supernatural. They saw miraculous physical healings. They saw miraculous inner spiritual and emotional healing and on the podcast he was talking about the origins of that revival how did it get started because that's what everyone wants to know right we all see these mighty movements of god and we wonder how can how can that be like us here today how did that start what prompted the spirit of god to pour himself out over y'all and he was talking about the the revival started when the students renounced self-hatred. So the revival started when students renounced self-hatred because he said what happens is 
I'm sure y'all don't do this because y'all are better than undergrad students. But no, we do this all the time. We wake up, first thing we do is we check our phone and we go on social media and we determine our self-worth by our social media presence. And then we go and we look at ourselves in the mirror to get ready for the day and we say all these hateful things about our bodies or say all these hateful things about ourselves and we're just living in this self-hatred living into an identity that God does not see us to be. And he said the turning point, the starting point for his revival is when they renounced and repented of their self-hatred and lived into who God told them they were and who God told them he was making them to be. And he said during the heart of the revival, he said students on their mirrors, on their bathroom mirrors would write when in lipstick on their mirrors the word Hepzibah and the word Beulah to remind themselves that the Lord will no longer call me desolate, that the people will no longer call me desolate. Instead, my identity is the Lord takes delight in me. Instead, my identity is I am the bride of Christ, that God met these students and God can meet us here today and replace our mourning with joy as the prophet prophesies. That in Jesus Christ who reads that very passage to start off his ministry in the book of Luke, who says, today on this day, this scripture reading is fulfilled because I, the light of the world, have come to make all things new. As we enter Communion Sunday, we come and we encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who comes to restore your joy here today to come and meet you here today, that as we long for revival, the Lord convicted me of this week, don't long for revival for revival's sake, but long for revival because of what God does among his people when his spirit is poured out among them. Church, hear the good news about the heart of the Father, that these promises are not just for them a thousand years ago, but they are for you and for me here today, that our God is a God of resurrection promises one day there will be no more weeping, no more mourning. God who wipes Thank you for listening to us. Eyes. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.